Well, good morning again. I'm Pastor Bryce with Green Street United Methodist Church. If you didn't join us for that intro, um, welcome. We're glad you're here. Today, we are worshiping online again, trying to do our part to control this coronavirus thing, which has been growing rapidly in this area. If you've been watching the, uh, the news and the case numbers, and so we want to do our part. So there's just a couple of folks in the room today, and um, we're still trying to figure out some of this new technology ourselves, and we'll figure it out as we go, but we can still worship God. And we praise God as we prepare, particularly for this Thanksgiving holiday. We think about all the things we are thankful for, and if you wanted to type that into a comment, if you're watching on Facebook, that would be helpful. That will encourage others who are watching. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 95, verses 1 through 11. And the title of today's message is Wholehearted Worship. And I, I prepared this message, or I had the basic plan for this message long before I knew we were going to be going online. And so when I figured out we would be strictly online, I thought, wow, wholehearted worship. How are you going to talk about that when there's hardly anybody in the room? But you know, worship is more than that. And this scripture tells us those important aspects of worship. And uh, so let's read it first, and then we'll talk about it. Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Marabah and you did that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Holy God, even though we are physically apart this morning, bring us together spiritually as we worship you completely with our whole lives, the great God, the great King of the universe above all gods. Amen. Some people have told me that this coronavirus thing going on in the world is one of the toughest things they have ever had to face. Other people have told me that 
The recent presidential election was the toughest thing they have ever had to face in the aftermath, particularly, which is still going on. Well, today's message is for you. Because the ultimate way we can handle tough times is by wholeheartedly worshiping God. And while that may be harder while we're apart physically, it's even more important that we practice that right now. Amen? And unless you get this important principle about worship, the fact that it's, well, it's not about you in terms of worship is not for you, per se, but then on the other hand, it is about you and the fact that you have a choice whether you engage with God and whether you engage with each other during worship. And again, you can do that right now, folks online, by offering comments and encouragement and thanksgiving to one another. This scripture we read answers the basic questions about worship, doesn't it? It tells us what worship is, it tells us how to worship, and it even answers to a bit why we worship. Wholehearted worship. What is wholehearted worship? You know, well, the opposite of wholehearted worship is half-hearted worship. (laughs) And maybe the extreme of that is heartless worship. And what we're after today is wholehearted worship, that unconditional commitment, that unstinting devotion, that unreserved enthusiasm for worship of our God. And all those things tell us that there is an intentional aspect of worship. Let's look at the what. What is worship? Well, we can look at a dictionary definition of worship, and you can find many different definitions, one of which would read something like extravagant respect or admiration or devotion to an object or of esteem. You could worship anything. You could worship, well, you could worship the almighty dollar. Certainly people do that. That's kind of a generic understanding of the word worship. But how would this passage define worship of our almighty God? Well, again, it's an intentional act. It's giving of the complete self, your whole being, to something. And that complete self is your mind and your will and your emotion. You could reword that as those phrases I just shared, commitment, devotion, and enthusiasm. It's hard to truly worship God if you're not committed to God. In fact, I would say it's, it's impossible to worship God. It would be impossible if you're not committed to God. It's hard to truly worship God if you're not devoted to God. And I would say, again, it would be impossible to completely worship God if you're not devoted to God. And it's hard to worship God if you're not enthusiastic about God. If you don't have that emotional enthusiasm, that love for your Creator, it's impossible. And so many people think that worship is just one of those three aspects of, of devotion and your mind, your will, your emotion. For example, we're called to worship with enthusiasm or emotion. Verse 1 says, let us sing for joy. 
But for some, that is all there is to worship. <laughs> for some, that is all there is to worship. The scripture says worship is more than that. And it starts now at getting at how we are to worship. Verse 6 says we worship with our wills. We choose to worship. Notice in verse 6, it says come, kneel, bow down. And that's an, an attitude as well as a physical act. It's something we choose to do. We prepare ourselves to worship God. Sometimes the physical aspect of preparing ourselves is important. There was a story that was circulated on the internet on Facebook recently that was one I had not heard about John Wesley and Billy Graham, but it goes like this. There was a college group touring the famous sites of John Wesley, the founder of Methodism in England, which is on my bucket list. I hope to do that someday. But this bunch of college students, they saw a room where John Wesley was, that was his bedroom apparently, and next to his bed were marks in the floor. And those marks were where John Wesley kneeled every day, many times a day, to pray. Those marks. And the story continues that of that group of college students, one of them was Billy Graham. <laughs> and Billy stepped out of line, and he kneeled, and he put his knees where John Wesley kneeled, and he asked God for a great revival. And Lord knows, Billy Graham caused many great revivals. He chose to kneel. He chose with his will to kneel to worship God. We have that same choice when we come before God. You know, whenever I worship with my Episcopal friends or my Catholic friends, they have kneeling benches, I always use them. I do. We often don't kneel in this building when we worship. We don't really have the means to do that anymore, even though we are quite a traditional worship center in look and feel. We don't really have the means to kneel. But again, it's an attitude. It could be a stand instead of a kneel. It could be a raising your hands instead of kneeling. But you see, it's a, it's a choice, it's part of our wills to prepare ourselves to worship God. We worship with our wills, we choose, we prepare ourselves. It's one reason I, I like to say a choral response after a scripture reading. And I delayed that a little bit this morning. It's probably going to mess up the slides if you're watching slides online. But I'm going to do it right now. Because as we read the scriptures, we have to decide whether we are truly going to respond to those scriptures, whether we're truly going to worship God. Mm -hmm. 
Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I want to be a living sanctuary for you. I love that song because the words speak about how we prepare ourselves truly worship God. But, you know, the scripture we just read says worship is even more than that. Verses 8 and 9 say, don't harden your hearts, don't test me. That's the language of thinking. That's the language of intellect, of reason, of understanding. In other words, don't come to worship not planning on listening. Don't come to worship not planning on learning something just for you. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. Massa and Meribah, you remember those were places where the Israelites went to after they had escaped from Egypt during the Exodus and not finding drinking water there, they murmured against God, they murmured against Moses. And Moses struck the rock and miraculously provided water for those people and saved them. But Moses named that location proof and contention because the Israelites put their Lord to the test there. And so the psalmist, as we read, is using that story. He's saying, don't harden your hearts like that. Don't test the Lord like that when you worship. Don't come into worship bringing that attitude. Don't come not planning on listening and learning and hearing something just for you. And the scripture says worship is still more than that. Complete worship is still more than that. Because we as human beings, as complete human beings, are still more than that. And so if you go through the motions, if you kneel, if you bow, if you think, if you learn, without ever experiencing the beauty of the moment, if you don't ever experience the awe of God, that's not complete worship either. Because complete worship involves the mind and the will and the emotion, all three of those things, which reminds me of three legs of the Wesleyan, Wesleyan quadrilateral scripture, reason, and experience. That's how you know the presence of God. That's how you know God. And that's how we know worship. <laughs> scripture, reason, and experience. Another important aspect of worship, which is so clear when you read this passage as we read it, is the fact that worship is a community enterprise. Notice all of the, of the plural language in that passage. Come let us sing. Come let us shout. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Come let us bow down. Let us kneel. Lord is our maker. He is our God. We are his people. You see, we are called to worship as a group. And while individual worship and prayer and fellowship is important, don't get me wrong, I think much of that 
is really to prepare us to worship as a community. And I know it's hard, especially now when we're online, it's hard, but it's not impossible. Again, you can check in, you can make comments online, you can support each other through all of those electronic means that we are blessed with. We curse some of those electronic means sometimes, but right now, during this time, we praise God for them. We're thankful for them. We have talked about the what of worship and the how of worship, but how do you worship, perhaps when you're just not in the mood? <laughs> you're just not in the mood, you're just not feeling it? How do you worship then? Well, this is when that community aspect of worship is so important. I can remember many times in my life, in this very church, when I was a younger man, when I wasn't in the mood to worship, when I couldn't pray, but this community worshiped for me. This community prayed for me. And that's why I love this church. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know how I could have made it through some of those times without you all. Thank you. So if you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling like worshiping God, one aspect that we talked about is that it's an act of will and we can choose to do something to change our mood. <laughs> Did you know that? You can choose to do something to change your mood, to change your emotion. Verse 2 says, well, let us come before him with thanksgiving. Wow, that's a great way to start worship because that changes your mood. It does. One of the men at our Saturday morning men's group says that every single day he starts his daily routine, his devotion. He starts every single day with listing five things he's thankful for. Five things. And he says it's amazing how that changes his mood about how he goes about the rest of his day. You can choose to change your mood and change your emotion by worshiping and by expressing thanksgiving. <coughs> Worship. It entails the entire being, the mind, the will, the emotion, and you can choose things to change your mood by expressing thanksgiving to one another and even online. It's one way to do that. So we've talked about the what and the how. How about the why? Why do we worship? Why do we worship? Well, here's the simplest, most straightforward answer I can give you right now. Because you're already worshiping something. You're already worshiping something. That's, that's the way we are as human beings. You're already worshiping something. There's something you have ascribed ultimate worth to in your life. It could be any number of things that aren't God. It could be a 
even a particular worship element, the mind, the will, the emotion, but not complete worship. I remember times in my life when I was busy going to grad school and other things when I didn't experience complete worship. I would sometimes sneak into worship and just listen to the scripture and the sermon. I would do that. <laughs> Go figure. It wasn't complete worship. It was important to me. It gave me what I wanted. But it wasn't community worship. And it wasn't praising God completely. I did that. I did that. Why do we worship? Because we're already worshiping something. There's something you have ascribed ultimate worth to. But it's not going to be complete worship unless you're following these principles in this passage, unless you're worshiping God. You know, the world is divided into two groups of people, and it's not divided according to people who worship and people who don't worship. The world is divided into people who worship the wrong things and people who worship God. <laughs> the world is divided into people who worship the wrong things and people who worship God. Worship, that word itself that we have in our language today, comes from an old English word. Did you know that? It's called the worth skip. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but the first half of that word is worth, W-R-T-H. And so in the very simplest concept, that word worship is to give worth to something. And Christian worship is not simply giving worship to something, but it's focused on Almighty God because of who God is and because of all God has done. Therefore, worship is ascribing ultimate worth to God. Why? Well, as we read in verse 3, etc., <clears throat> for the Lord is great, the great king, because he made the earth and the mountains and the seas. That's why we bow down to worship him. Worship is ascribing your ultimate worth in your life to God. And the essence of worship is transferring whatever else you think in your life is so worth worthy and transferring that to God. That is what changes your life. And I would submit to you that unless your life changes through worship, you're not completely worshiping God. <laughs> unless your life changes, you're not completely worshiping God. The average person says that if you were to interview someone on the street that they believe in God. But more and more, people are also saying that they're not religious, but they're spiritual. They're not religious, but they're spiritual. And they would say that I'm not engaged in worship. Well, I say not really, because they're already worshiping something. Rather than worshiping God, they may be worshiping something else. They're 
worshiping something else that they have ascribed ultimate worth to. Whether truly worthy or not, it could be money, it could be fun, it could be pleasure, it could be any number of things that has become the deepest desire of their heart, which never satisfies. (laughs) It never satisfies. In one of those Harry Potter movies, I forget which one, Harry Potter looks at this mirror. It's called the Mirror of Arrested. And in that mirror, he sees his parents with him, touching him, reaching out to him. His parents are dead, by the way, at this point. He sees them looking at him. And by the way, in case you didn't figure this out in those movies, that, that mirror of arrested, arrested is just desire spelled backwards. <laughs> it's desire spelled backwards. In other words, this mirror would show a person the deepest desire of your life. But Harry is warned not to look at this mirror for too long. He's told that people waste away looking at this mirror. They waste away worshiping it, so to speak, (laughs) consumed by it. What do you see in your mirror this morning that you are worshiping that is not the Lord? If you are freaked out over this coronavirus, if you are still freaked out over the election and the aftermath, if you are suffering from great loss, loss of love, loss of money, I would submit to you that the Bible says, particularly in this passage and many places elsewhere, that your ultimate fix has to do with who and what you worship. Who and what do you worship? Because the ultimate way to handle tough times is by wholeheartedly worshiping Almighty God. And when you do, you will know it because it will change your life. You will see God's love as better and more beautiful than anything else the world can throw at you. And you will see Jesus in that mirror as you look into it in your mirror of desire. Amen? Amen. As we come to our prayer time together, um, again, think about all the things you are thankful for. I'll share with you that I am thankful for this church, the people of this church who are so generous, so generous. In the spring, many of you know that we gave gift cards away to folks who could use a little boost in support of our local businesses and restaurants that were hit so hard during the pandemic. Well, I'm here to tell you that we're going to do that even bigger and better during the holiday season. You're going to see God's love in action in this community with random acts of kindness from this church, gifts to people in ways you would not expect. 
You're going to hear more about those random acts of kindness in the upcoming newsletter. Right now, we're going to keep it a little under wraps so people are surprised. But I am so thankful for the incredible generosity of this church. I'm so thankful for the people that dedicate themselves to serving others, even on a, on a holiday like Thanksgiving. You know, this Thanksgiving Day, we are going to be serving 325 Thanksgiving meals to people. 325. It's going to be done through a drive-through system this year because of the coronavirus. And there are many helpers doing that work. Thank you for giving of yourselves, even on that special holiday. And now I'm going to ask you to pray silently. Remember in your minds, first of all, something you are thankful for, something you're thankful for to God, to this church, to this community, to your family, because that puts you in a frame of worship like nothing else. Remember what you're thankful for. I'll give you a moment of silence to do that. And then we'll pray together and we will close with the Lord's Prayer. Let's go to prayer. Gracious and holy and great God, our maker, great among gods, we praise your name and we come before you with thanksgiving. You have given us so much as a community and as individuals, we praise you. We sing for joy. We use our emotions. We use our wills. We choose to praise you. We choose to adjust our lives and our attitudes. Help us to be more skillful worshipers. Grant us your Holy Spirit. Help us to see that it is the cross of Christ that really makes us more like your Son. For that we are more thankful than anything. We ask your blessing upon this community. We ask your blessing upon all those who are gathered during this Thanksgiving and all those who may be apart because of the coronavirus. Help them feel connected to their family, to their friends, to their church. We ask a special blessing upon those folks who are working this Thanksgiving to provide folks with Thanksgiving meals. We praise your name. And now we pray together using the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.